We'll be in Matthew 14. And this is the account of Jesus being on the water and Peter somehow, some way, being able to walk with Jesus on water, or at least walk towards Jesus on water. Before we get into that, though, I do want to just quickly talk about the idea of grace. When we think of grace, we could think of a lot of different things. There's an Old Testament word for grace that I don't know how to say, um, and there's a New Testament word for grace that I also don't know how to say in the Greek. I think it's uh, cherish, cheris. I don't know if that's right, though. That's how I would say it, though. C-H-A-R-I-S, I believe. And most of the time when we think of grace, that's probably the word that we're thinking of. And we usually are going to think of grace in uh, the context of our salvation. Ephesians 2 is very clear. It is by grace that we have been saved, and not of ourselves. It is the work of God. It is the gift of God. But there are other uses of the word grace. There are other ways that we could say this is how grace is seen. For example, in our scripture reading this morning in Romans 5, uh, it says that we have been justified by faith uh, and therefore we have peace with God. There's this relationship with God. Then it says that through him we have obtained access by faith into his grace. So it makes it seem like faith is there and then grace comes. And I would say that that's not exactly uh, what Paul is trying to bring up. I think what he is saying is, we have to have faith in order for us to really get access to the grace of God. But the grace of God is there. The grace of God is the thing that is there from the, from the beginning. Now through that it says that we stand through the, in, in the grace of God. It's how we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope, and hope does not put us, to sin, put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And like I said, I would, I would say that all of that is obviously possible. He's trying to make the case of faith versus uh, law and things like that. Like going back to the Old Testament, going back to Abraham even, is what he just talked about in the last chapter. But I would say that the grace of God was there before the, his faith was there. He just didn't have that grace to where he could build upon that. So when we talk about suffering and endurance and all these things he's going to list out and hope, um, that all stems from first and foremost the grace of God. But then there's a couple other ways that we could see grace. Uh, Paul would also say in Colossians four, uh, Colossians one, uh, four through six, uh, maybe three through six, that well we've received this uh, gospel, this truth. And he actually compares that. He says that that's God's grace in truth. Um, so God's word, in some ways, is also God's grace. And Paul, and later on in Romans, would also say that he has been called to be a minister by the grace of God. Um, so his service, his life, the things he did, his actions, that was all through God's grace. So when we think of the grace of God, I don't want us just to think of salvation only. I want us to think of the fullness of, of God's grace, which I didn't necessarily expound upon in those three or four ways I listed. There are many other ways that we can think of that, think of the subject. Well, as it pertains to our lesson today in Matthew 14, 
what I, what I plan to do is simply go through the text, and I want to break it down. I want to ask a lot of questions and maybe offer a few answers. But I want to begin by just saying that there, there are many ways we can see the grace of God. We can see the grace of God and that is given to us or in, that something is given to us or that something is not given to us. A lot of times that second part we would say that's mercy, right? Something isn't given to us, so that's restraining. I would say it's very difficult to, to slice the difference of grace and mercy sometimes, for me at least. Grace can be seen by what God allows us to do or even go through, whether it's suffering or whether it's ministry. We can see God's grace in that. We can see God's grace in who he has put in our life and the impact they have on our life. Sometimes that takes the form of them bearing our burdens and sometimes it takes the form of us bearing their burdens. And we can see that's God's grace, that he has given us those opportunities, those people. So as we begin, I, I just wanted to have that as a backdrop of kind of opening our minds a little bit as far as the subject. Uh, the, the subject of grace is not something that is super comfortable for me to talk about because it's kind of like talking about, um, I don't know, for me it's kind of like talking about the Holy Spirit. Like I can say certain things about it, but I don't know all things I can say about it. And so it makes me a little uncomfortable. But one thing I do know is that we must be comfortable with the idea of God's grace. And it must be something that we let influence our life. We must walk in a way in this life where we are walking, not only like carrying the grace with us and giving it to others, but also just like living with it. I, I think it's hard for us to truly live as we ought and be comfortable and peaceful in this life as a Christian without really accepting the fact that we are living with the grace of God as part of our life. Anyway, so Matthew 14. Let's read verses 22 through 33. Immediately he, being Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. This is very common, right? We, we, we've seen Jesus do this. Jesus continues to do this. He sends people away, or he just kind of breaks away from the crowd, uh, even from his own disciples sometimes, and goes to a, a secluded place, a lot of times on a mountain. I don't know why a high place, but he does kind of seem to go on a high place a lot, just to pray, just to speak with God, to speak with his Father. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land. Uh, this is also in Mark 6 and John 6. And they would say that, you know, the point is not to say that, oh, they're so far away. It's just like they're not close to the banks. They're not close to the shore. They're in the sea. This would be the Sea of Galilee. So they're, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Again, just to kind of get the picture, think of a bowl, right? That's kind of how the Sea of Galilee is, right? You have kind of mountains around. You kind of have a bowl. So when there's a lot of wind and gusting going through there, I mean, it is pretty crazy. I mean, it, it can get really, really, although it's not like a, it, you shouldn't think of like the ocean waves or anything like that. You should think of like a huge lake. And you're like, well, I mean, what kind of waves are there going to be with that? Because the Sea of Galilee is not the size of what we think of as a sea. We think, I mean, the truth is it's the size of what we would think of as a lake. But because of 
the landscape, I mean, it can really get a lot of wind going through there. So they are being tossed about. And also, they might not have been on the biggest boat. That might be another part of it. So he comes to them, and he says that he comes to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. I don't know if I would say it was a ghost, but I would be terrified seeing someone walk on the sea. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Would that calm you? Would that calm you hearing Jesus say that? I don't think it would do much to me. I think it would still be like, the ghost is talking, you know, <laughs> or like, this is crazy. They've seen Jesus do a lot, of, a lot of incredible things. They just saw him feed thousands upon thousands of people with very little. But it seems like they're impressed every single time they see, they see Jesus do something new. They've seen him do amazing things, but they haven't seen him do this. So because of that, I think that's why they struggle here, and they, they're terrified. <clears throat> Peter answered him. Of course, Peter's is, you know, probably the first one to say something. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that Peter walked on water? Like Peter, a man, walked on top of water. Um, I see a puddle and I go around it because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to step in that puddle and my foot's going to go to the bottom of that puddle and I'm going to get wet. But Peter walked on water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In Mark and John's account, it stops after uh, saying that, Take heart, do not fear. You don't have this account of Peter walking on water, which is interesting because a lot of times we would think of Mark's gospel, John Mark's gospel, as being one, almost the story of Jesus through the eyes and words of Peter. And yet, he didn't mention this part. And I don't know, I don't have a good answer for that, and honestly, it doesn't matter to me. That doesn't cause me to question it. I just wanted to point out the fact that for some reason, this is here. And it's not in the other ones. And I think it's not in the other ones because it, it adds a lot to the story for us. But if you're just wanting to learn more about Jesus, and if you're just wanting to get the story of Jesus, does this story add anything? No. It doesn't give you a greater dynamic to Jesus' power. You've already seen so much of it. It doesn't give you a greater dynamic to a whole lot. What it does help, I think, is help us understand more about ourselves. So I believe that's why it's here in Matthew 14. So as we go, I don't want to just focus on ourselves, although we, we, we will eventually. But I want us to first appreciate the fact that Peter saw Jesus doing something that was incredible. And I don't think Peter was jealous. I don't think Peter said, that's awesome, I want to just do that. I think that Peter sees Jesus as being the one that he needs to go to. I need to be like you. 
Jesus, command me to come to you. So Jesus commanded. And he said, come. Jesus did exactly what Peter asked. And Peter did exactly what Jesus said. God's grace is present in the fact that Peter asked for something and it was granted. But it's also present in the fact that Jesus commanded something and Peter had the ability to do that thing. And we should see ourselves in that. We should see ourselves in the fact that we ask for help. We ask for guidance. We ask for, you know, what should we do, Lord? Like, I mean, what do I need to do in this life? What, give me direction. And we're given direction. Most of the time, we just need to look at his word and see his commands. See what he says to us. But then appreciate the fact that God gives us the ability to even do those things. So in both ways, we see the grace of God. We need direction. He gives it to us. We need help in following through with the direction the command's given, and he's there for us. The power with which Peter was able to actually get on the water and go to Jesus, it's the same power that we are able to actually go out into this life and to be in the midst of a world, a sinful and broken world, and not be sinful and broken ourselves. Although we have been, we can put that behind us. We can actually live in the world and not be of the world. It is only through the grace of God that we can do that. You know, Peter did have a choice, and I think that is something that we should appreciate because we have a choice. He could have said, Jesus, command me to come to you. And then Jesus says, come, and he says, never mind. <laughs> I, no, I appreciate it. I didn't know what I was saying. Uh, you know, Jesus, you know me. I, I say things sometimes. <laughs> I mean, and everyone would be like, yeah, Peter does. Uh, he does kind of say things, and we all wonder, why did he say that? Um, but Peter went. So sometimes we ask for things. Sometimes we, need, we feel we need things. And we even tell others or we tell God himself we, we need this. And then all of a sudden something's presented and we say, never mind. I take that back. I remember always hearing people say, be careful if you ask for patience from God because he might just give it to you. And it's like, I don't get that. You know, I, mean, I heard that when I was a kid. It's like, well, he's going to give you an opportunity to practice patience. He's going to put somebody in your life that you're going to want to be very impatient with. And then that's the God's answer for that. That may or may not be true. I don't know if that always happens that you ask for something from God and boom, here's a challenge, prove yourself kind of thing. But I do think that is kind of accurate. You ask for something from God, maybe be more specific in the way you want him to give that to you. And I'm not saying he will give that to you in the way that you want it, but don't just ask for something and not expect an answer from God. And it will be hard. It will be easy for us to doubt. It will be easy for us to question. It will be easy for us to kind of say, never mind, I take it back. I, I don't want that. Um, it would almost be as if I said to Josh and Kirby, when y'all are going to move, if you need help, let me know. And then Josh says, hey, uh, I need some help. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, no, I'm okay. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Uh, I wanted to be there. I'm there with spirit, okay? <laughs> but my hands aren't there. My legs aren't there. No. We can't just, you know, be there in spirit with God and say, I'm with you, and then I actually do the things that he wants us to do. Peter had a choice. But 
Peter actually stepped out of the boat. I don't, you know, a lot of times in, in the Gospels in particular, um, Mark especially, there's all this immediately talk. And it almost seems like Jesus was, you know, transported from place to place and things like that. Um, I don't think that we should, you know, we at all should think that Peter just magically wound up next to Jesus. I, that's not the, the image I get. The image I get is he steps out of the boat and begins going to Jesus. That's important because to step out of the boat is the hardest thing sometimes. When you're given a command or even let's take it uh, another step. Let's say you see a challenge before you. And that challenge is, am I going to follow God or am I not going to follow God? And we'll, I'll get into some more specifics later on. But the first thing that is hard for us to do is to step out of the boat. Peter did that. And then as he stepped out of the boat, imagine if you step out of the boat. And, I mean, do you just, I just want you to ask yourself this question. Would you doubt if that first step is going to actually just sink? I would. I really think I would. I would be sitting there thinking, all right, this is great. He said come, so I, I know I have that strength. And then all of a sudden as the foot gets closer, I'm like, but wait, hang on. <laughs> like, this is water. This is the sea. Peter had faith. He had faith that as Jesus said to come, that he was going to give him the power to actually come to him. The fact that he was able to do this is a gift from God. Just like the fact that we're able to step out of whatever boat we're in onto whatever water and whatever, um, I guess, unstable ground we find ourselves on. The fact that we have that ability is a gift from God. Even if we regret asking for it sometimes. We're like Peter. And it Apart from God's strength and his grace, we can't walk on water. He couldn't walk on water. And we can't, we can't do any of the things that are challenging for us. We always need to have the mind, mindset of being thankful to God, even amidst struggles. Go back to Romans 5. Think about that. Even amidst struggles, even amidst difficult times, we need to be thankful to God that we are even able to be in a situation where we can prove ourselves to be true to him prove ourselves to be faithful and committed to him and prove to others that you can stand on solid ground even when that solid ground is a sea and i and that's what kind of brings me to um i guess why i even thought of this lesson and, and thought of i guess there's just one application really of of this passage and of this text there are so many people that I love back in Florence that are really hurting right now because someone that they love passed away Thursday at the age of 49 the cancer was in remission and then it came back and I think we all know what that's like we know, we know stories like that and they tried everything and we could, we could sit back and think, well, you know what? I mean, that's just life, and that's how we cope with it. And we could think, you know, that's just nature, and that's how we cope with it. You know, when, when you do that, you might wind up being like Peter because nature is what distracted him. 
he saw the wind and he saw the waves around him and he began to sink. And I think when we just cope with difficulties in life by saying that's just life, that's just nature, things just happen, we might, wonder, we might find ourselves being distracted and start sinking. What we need to do is we need to say it is only by God's grace and it is only through his strength that I can make it through this. Don't handle difficulties and struggles in life by thinking it's just how it is. Things happen. You won't get very far. You might be able to step out of the boat, but as you start walking, you will begin to sink because that's what happened with Peter. And the people that I know, the, there, there's a few people in particular that are struggling the most are only coping with it by thinking it was only through God's grace and the power of Christ that I was able to have that relationship with this person that I love, that she was able to fight for so long that she's now able to have peace and not be in pain so I can make it through this. And that's their mentality. And I think that's impressive. And that's a lesson for, for all of us, I believe. So as we go on and we see Peter does sink, it says he begins to sink. I don't know how far he got into the water, um, but I think all it would take is my ankle to start feeling like, okay, help me, God. <laughs> Jesus, save me. But let's just say that he got to his waist. What if he got all the way to his neck? At that point, where is your faith? Would you even have the faith to call out to Jesus? Because I know his faith is the reason that he was doubting. I know that's why he started to sink. But I almost question if I would even think at that point to say, Jesus, save me. Because you know what? I feel like you just failed me. I was standing on water and now I'm sinking. Obviously, something is wrong here. I would be scrambling. I would be just trying to find some way. Peter's response is appropriate. And it's a lesson for us as well. That when we start to sink, we don't turn on God. We don't say, why did you let me even do this, Jesus? Why did you even put me in this situation? Because now I'm sinking. I feel like I'm in a worse place than I was. I could have stayed in the boat. He turned to the one who he knew had the power and had the ability to lift him up. It wasn't Jesus' fault that Peter started to sink. It was Peter's fault. It was his lack of faith. He got distracted. And I think back, and I'm not saying this is Peter in this situation, but for me and for maybe even some of you, I think back to the parable of the soils. And I think that as I start living my life as a Christian and as I encounter difficulties, what's the thing that's going to distract us? Remember the thorns? The cares of the world, right, will choke out the word. As you get into the world and as you get into your life as a Christian, you will come in contact and you will encounter things that distract you and it will be difficult for you to keep going. It's going to be the cares of the world. And if you're not, if you're not very, very cautious and if you don't stay true and be faithful to him, it's going to choke out that seed. And you're going to wind up sinking. And again, I'm not saying that's what happens with Peter here, but I think there's a comparison. We can have the same faith that Peter had, where we can walk on water, but then just like Peter, our faith can be shaken and we can start to sink. But have the reaction that Peter had. 
cry out, Lord, save me, help me, be with me. This is a plea, and it needs to be something that we do as well. Peter couldn't fake walking on water. We won't be able to fake being a Christian either. Eventually, when things come up, it will be clear who our faith is in. It will be very clear. And Jesus had to save Peter. Jesus immediately, again, in the Gospels, a lot of times it's just, it's immediately, immediately, immediately. He immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith. Why didn't he just say, I got you? <laughs> because that wasn't the lesson. The lesson wasn't, I got you. I mean, it is. But the lesson was, your faith is why you started sinking. So you have to understand that in order for you to ever have confidence in Jesus having you. Does that make sense? You, all, you have to know that if you start to falter, it is your faith that is, allowing you, that is causing you to start sinking. Then you can say, okay, I'm going to reach out to Jesus. Now, granted, who reached out? It says that Jesus reached out. Is that not the gift of God? Is that not God's grace there even? That as Peter, through his own, through a fault of his own, starts to sink, Jesus is still there to reach out and grab him and save him. And it's the same for us. We'll find ourselves sinking because of sin. We'll find ourselves sinking because we take our eye off of what's important. And who's there to reach out? God is there. Jesus is there to reach out. Extend a helping hand, if you will, and pull us back up. That is God's grace as well. When the waves are crashing around us and we find ourselves trying to just make it on our own, we'll find ourselves sinking even more. But when the waves crash around us and we reach out to our Savior, we will find ourselves standing once again, all walking on water somehow. So God's grace is very powerful. There's nothing like it. There, there's no way to describe it fully. There's no way for me to say, let me, let me tell you everything you need to know about God's grace. But I think that we can see it through this story. So now what I want to do is I just want to make a few application points. We need to be confident that we can step out and obey God. We need to put away sinfulness. We need to change our heart. We don't need to desire fleshly things. We need to step out of the boat. And we need to be willing to live in this world, already knowing we're imperfect, but live as Christ would have us to live. And that will be God's grace, that we will be able to do that, even obey him. When you follow Jesus in service or in activity, even when it's hard. I'll tell you one thing that's hard for me. I love talking to people. I, I'm, I think I'm a pretty good people person, um, but I'm also a people pleaser at times. I can be a jerk sometimes, but only to certain people, right? <laughs> only the ones I love the most. Um, but I don't, I don't like being in uncomfortable situations with people. I can handle those okay, but I don't enjoy uh, taking the focus of away, uh, taking the focus away from what is like we have in common and what we can just kind of have a good time about to focus on someone's 
someone's spirituality, someone's soul. I don't enjoy that. Because you know what? They don't enjoy talking about that sometimes. But I need to see myself as, I'm. you know what? I'm walking to Jesus. So that means whatever ministry that I find myself being involved in, I need to keep on going. And I need to have confidence and faith. And I need to see that as being a gift of God that I'm even able to do that. We need to put ourselves out there for the sake of the kingdom of Christ. We need to get to work and we need to sometimes try something new. And when the wave starts crashing around us in that, just know that you can keep standing if you keep the faith. And we need to we need to stand when everything around us and all of the ground that we're standing on is unstable. Again, maybe life happens, maybe nature takes its course. Really what I'm saying is when things are out of our control, we need to understand that, I mean, this is a common saying, I think, uh, when everything seems out of control, we need to know that God is in control, right? So if we just have faith in him, if we just believe in him and we have confidence and we keep on walking towards Christ, we will keep somehow standing on water. When Even when people are just sitting there saying, how, how is this happening? You don't worry about how it's happening. You just keep on walking. And when we lose faith, we need, we need to understand that we have a lifeline. We have someone that will still save us. Jesus is our Savior, not only initially, not only that first time when we commit our life to Him, but He's still our Savior when we start to sink. You know, I've found myself at times wallowing in sin and mire way past the time that I've been baptized and forgiven. That doesn't mean that Jesus isn't my Savior then. He still is, and He's still your Savior as well. We need to put away the doubt. We need to put away the lack of confidence that we have, because really what that is is we're lacking confidence in ourselves. If you don't think you can keep going because you've, you've just done too much or you're just too deep into whatever the sin is, then maybe you're, you're lacking. You think, well, it's just I don't think I have the ability to do this. The reality is you're showing God that you lack the confidence in him. You're showing God that you lack faith in him, that he can help you, that he will put away that sin. That Think, think about it like this. You have, a life, you have someone living their life kind of like a Christian, but really they're just some things that they can't put away. What is that telling God? I don't believe that you will offer the things that you say you will offer. I don't believe that I can actually live, live a life the way you want me to live it. You're lacking confidence in God and faith in God that he will provide you and satisfy you with all the things that you actually want. And I guess... Another aspect that I had never considered before is, what about the people in the boat? You know, what about the disciples that are left in the boat? They saw Jesus. I'm sure they're seeing Peter. What do you think their response is? Do you think they got encouragement that, they, that maybe they could do the same? Do you think they were cheering Peter on? Do you think they were just in awe? What about when he started to sink? What do you think their reaction was? I think my reaction would be like, I knew it. <laughs> I, I told him, no, don't do that. <laughs> when in reality, what we, our reaction should be when we see other people starting to sink is, come on, you got this. 
And it's really not you got this. It's Jesus has you. God has you. What do you think their reaction was when Jesus reached out and pulled him back up? You think they were surprised by that? I would hope not. But there are times where when I see people make it through things, I just think, wow, how could they do that? I'm lacking some confidence and I'm doubting a little bit in the power of God in those situations, I think. And really, it's because I, I, if I were to put myself in those shoes, I, I wouldn't have confidence I would make it. We need to have trust in God and we need to, we need to rely on His strength and His grace. And when you think about this, all of this was to prepare Peter for later in life. All of this was to prepare him for when Jesus would be raised from the dead. All of this was to prepare him for when Jesus would come to him saying, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, and he, these are not Jesus' words, but why are you out here fishing again? And, and I'm sure Peter's thought was, well, I mean, you're gone. You, you left. You, you died. I saw you. You weren't in the tomb. What am I to do? Don't you think that Peter, had to, Peter just had to think back to that time when he was walking on water with Jesus? And there was Jesus to reach out and pick him up when he lacked faith and confidence. From that moment on, I have no reason to doubt that Peter, even, even though he struggled at times with other things we read of in Acts and other places, I, there's no reason for us to doubt that Peter devoted himself to the ministry, devoted himself to the kingdom, to the cause of Christ. And I think that a lot of that stems from this right here. So, not, not to make it, not to, you know, step totally away from Peter and, and, um, and this whole story of him walking on water, but well, I'll tell you what made me think about this. First, it was actually, it was actually not the story. What made me think about this first was a song, and I I just want to read the words of the song because it, it, was, it was on my mind over the past few days. You know, it's crazy sometimes how things can just, um, I don't know, you hear something, you see something, and then it gets your mind going, and then a situation comes up. So just to tell you what happened, I, um, two years ago, uh, in February actually, um, the person that was at the congregation that I was at was diagnosed with cancer. And I moved in May, so from February to May, that, that was the only time I knew. And, and it seemed like things were, were going all right. I mean, you know, she seemed to be doing okay. And after a long time and a very difficult road, I mean, when I say things are going okay, I mean given the circumstances, right? Um, I mean, she wound up going into remission. I don't know how long ago it was, but I would say maybe a year ago or something like that. And then it comes back. And I, I didn't know that it had come back in full force like it did. But the people I stayed with when I went Friday night, um, she, uh, she told me more about what had been going on over, going on over the last three weeks because she was there with her. Uh, the person that, that passed away, her name was Renee Hunter. And the person that I was with, uh, her name was Julie. And she was telling me about this and about what had been going on. And I just thought I had no idea. These, the thing that was happening was that 
her will and her spirit was still there. But the disease that we've, I think a lot of us have either no situations where this happens or we've seen it. I feel fortunate that I haven't seen it face to face with someone that I love, but it was just ravaging her. It was just, her, her body was just not able to withstand anymore. So Wednesday was when I found out about what was going on because that's when they decided to take her home. She was at Vanderbilt and they, they took her home to Florence, uh, to Muscle Shoals, and they called hospice. And then Thursday night, she passed away. They took her off of all the things and then like that. They thought, hey, three, four days minimum, could be a few weeks. You know, things like that happen, and it could be months. But it was clear that, I mean, her body just couldn't take it. And as I thought about all the difficulties that her family is going through, I'll tell you what, I thought, you know what, there's only one thing that they can do right now. They can look to God. And as I thought about my life, I thought, you know what, I'm, I feel like sometimes I'm going through too much or I have too much going on, things like that. And I thought, you know what, I just need to look to God. So anyway, the song that I mentioned about 10 minutes ago. The song is called Oceans. I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it comes from this passage. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. Your grace abounds in deepest waters, your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed and you won't start now. So I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. And then the next part is actually a prayer. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. I will call upon your name. Keep my eyes above the waves. My soul will rest in your embrace. I am yours and you are mine. I mean, you might be in a situation where you feel as though you can't make it. Whatever the waves are that are crashing around you, whether it's your own physical issues, whether it's someone else's that you care about and love, whether it's your sinful problems, whether it's someone you care about and love and their sinful issues, just know that as the waves rise and as they crash around you, you can always count on Jesus. You can always count on the grace of God. And when you start to sink because of your lack of faith, Jesus is there to reach out. If only you would call out to him. Jesus, save me. Peter had a lot of issues, and there's no doubt about that. And so do we. But one thing that I appreciate about him is that when he looked around him and he had no one else to turn to, he looked to the person, the only person that could help him and save him, and that was Jesus Christ, his Savior.
It was by his power and his ability that he was able to even walk on water in the first place. So who else should he turn to? The unfortunate thing is at times we feel like, you know what? It is by the grace of God and the power of God that I'm able to do this and that. And all of a sudden when, when trouble hits, when strife hits and, and we're struggling, we turn on God. Instead of realizing that, you know what? It was my faith. It was my doubt that got me to where I'm sinking in this water, in this sea. And that's not super comforting to people that are going through great uh, distress sometimes, but that's just the reality. And it's not always comforting when you're talking about people who have great loss, someone they love. But the reality is that who else will you turn to? There's only one person. Don't turn to yourself. Don't turn to someone else that you feel is strong or someone else that just turn to God. It is only by grace that we will be saved. No matter if that, and I mean that from the standpoint of saved in the end in eternal life, but I also mean from whatever situation we find ourselves in. It is only through the grace of God that we will be saved through those situations. So like I said, I, I don't, you know, that was kind of what was on my mind. And I hope that some of these thoughts were helpful. And I didn't want to make it only about this one situation with a sister that, that I cared a lot about. But I just found myself thinking and evaluating my life and thinking, where am I? Have I stepped out on a boat lately? <laughs> Have I stepped out and relied on the power of God to take me through whatever it might be, to, to allow me to get back to work, to allow me to to be active in his kingdom and his service to him? Have I, have I allowed the grace of God to strengthen me so that I can obey him? So I can, I can actually put away whatever else is I want to do and I can, I can walk to Jesus. You know, we read in the New Testament that he is the author and finisher of our faith. So our path, our walk needs to be directly towards him. Have I relied on his strength or have I allowed my faith and doubt to distract me to where I think I can't obey him? You want me to do what? You want me to stop doing what? You want me to change this in my life? You rely on the strength and grace of God. Have faith in him. You can make it through that. Step out, on the, step out of the boat onto, those, onto that unstable ground and just walk towards Jesus. And never forget that when, when you do start to sink, he is always there. If you find yourself... Uh, this afternoon in a situation where you need help, prayers, whatever it might be. I mean, this group is here for you. But my encouragement would be just to evaluate your life and think about some things in your life, whether it's your obedience to God, whether it's your reliance on Him, whether it's uh, your activity and your service to Him, whatever it might be. But also my encouragement would be going forward when you encounter difficulties, when you encounter loss and struggles, Always turn to Jesus. And even when you feel you're sinking, you can call out and say, save me. Jesus, save me. I hope this has been helpful. We'll have a song of encouragement.